Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Friends, hear now the good news. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So he woke up and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? They were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me and for me this morning? Oh God, in the quiet and the stillness of these moments, Prepare our hearts to receive your word. Amen. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus had already had a very long day. He had been teaching the great crowds that had come from all over the countryside, from far and near, people from all ages and stages and places in life to hear Jesus teach about the mystery of the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a sower who goes out in the field and takes his entire seed and super irresponsibly sows it everywhere, in the good ground, in the rocky ground, on the path, and the thorns, everywhere. And only 25% of the seed grows up, but you know that 25% of the seed crop produces a hundredfold of the harvest. He said the kingdom of God is like something that just can't be stopped, that grows and multiplies everywhere where its roots dig in. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like someone who takes a a mustard seed, a a weed, and, and plants it in their garden. And that smallest of seeds become the largest of trees where all the birds of the air come and make a nest in its branches in the garden. The kingdom of God is like the place where all the undesirable people of this world find a home. This, Jesus says, is the mystery of the kingdom of God. And at the end of this very long day, I can imagine that Jesus and the disciples that were with him were tired, were hot, were hungry. May they felt like day four of VBS after you had gone for the fourth night in the row. 
running after kids, working with the great crowds of people. And so Jesus invited them to take a step away. He steps into the boat. He invites his disciples into the boat with him. And he pushes out to sea, leaving the crowds behind. Jesus and his handful of professional fishermen that are on his disciple crew push out into the night sea for rest and stillness and respite. But it's not long into their voyage in sea that a great windstorm arises. Mark's word here for windstorm is lilaps, which is, which is much more than just a gusty breeze here in Wise County. It's never a single gust of wind or even a steady blowing breeze. This is a storm that breaks forth from the black thunderclouds with voracious gusts of wind and floods of torrential rains. Waves beat against the side of the boat so that the boat is already being swamped. The disciples, some of whom who have been fishing all of their lives and have weathered their fair share of storms, are scared for their lives. The sea is throwing everything about. This, friends, this is no storm. This is a hurricane. And Jesus? Where is Jesus in all this? He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. After a long and exhausting day, Jesus has decided to lay down for a little nap. Tucked away in the back of the boat, sheltered under the covering of the stern, snoozing peacefully on a pillow, all while the waters of chaos rage around him. The disciples fear for their very lives as the water swamps into the boat. They are panicked. They are terrified. They are petrified with fear. They go looking for Jesus. They shout at him. They shake him by their shoulders and say, Teacher, do you not care that we are dying here? Jesus, having woken up from his slumber, rises up and rebukes the wind and the sea. Much the same way that he rebukes and casts out the demon. For you see, the power that he holds over the cosmic forces of darkness is the same authority that he holds over the raging waters of chaos. And Jesus says to the sea, Peace, silence, be still. Or as John Wesley translates in his notes upon the New Testament, Be thou gagged. With two single words, Jesus calms those raging waters of chaos, exercising that sovereign power over creation that is reserved for our Creator God alone. And a great calm great stillness occurs. And the voice of God spoken to the prophet Job out of the whirlwind becomes the voice of God heard by the prophet Elijah in the sound of sheer silence. 
And after being chided for their faith and their fear and their momentary lapse of faith, the disciples are left to wonder, who then is this? Even the seas and the raging waters of chaos obey him. Who then is this? You know, the thing about hurricanes is that they don't come with much warning. They often stir up out of nowhere, blindsiding us without any advance notice. It was the summer after my sophomore year of college. I had come back home to the Metroplex to work in a United Methodist Church down in Dallas and was serving a summer internship. We had just finished up worship for the morning. I had gone out to lunch with some friends, and as I walked out of the Dickies barbecue up towards my pickup, I realized that I'd missed a call from my mother. I got in the truck. I popped on the message. It was short and brief. All it said was, Ricky, this is your mom. Call me. So I sat there in my truck. I called my mother, and, and she said, where, where are you? Mom, just finished lunch. I haven't gone home yet. She says, are you driving? I said, no, I'm just sitting here in the truck in the parking lot. She says, I just got off the phone with Sue, and her and Chuck got back from the lake house for the weekend. And they found TJ's body upstairs. They don't know what happened. They don't know much more. I wanted to call and let you know. TJ was literally my oldest friend on this earth. We were born uh, within days of each other. Our parents were fast friends long before we were ever even born. We grew up in the church nursery together. We grew up running the halls of the church at VBS together. And when I was halfway through elementary school, my parents took a job at another Methodist church halfway across town. It wasn't long before TJ and his family joined us. And so we grew up not only in VBS, but in junior high and through high school, going on mission trips and beach retreats and Disciple Now Bible studies and senior trips. And over the past couple of years, as often happens with young people who go off to college, we had lost touch. It had been a few months since we had connected and spoken when we were both back in town from college. And in that moment, as I sat there in the parking lot, I felt nothing. I was numb. When you perhaps feel so many things that you just can't feel anything at all, and I sat there. And I flipped on the ignition, and I took the 10-minute drive home. And as I pulled into the driveway and opened up the garage and walked in the back door, my father was there waiting for me. And he looked at me, and the only thing he said was, have you talked to your mother? And I couldn't even get the words out before the both of us just broke down in ugly weeping, snotty sobs. And my father opened his arms and we fell into each other and there in that small little kitchen, we just heaved and sobbed as we held one another. The thing is, when those hurricanes hit, I can understand why the disciples confronted Jesus the way they did. You just want to shake them and say, Jesus, do you not even care about what's going on right now? 
Do you feel the pain that I feel? Are you aware of what's happening in my life? God, are you paying attention? We try to wake God up to listen to us, to feel with us, to take care of us in our most vulnerable and shattered moments. In times of great despair, I think our natural human response is to question whether God really cares about our pain, whether God really hears us at all, or maybe even whether God is even present. Friends, those hurricanes come at the most unexpected of moments, and they come in so many forms in life. The loss of a child or a partner or friend, and the test results that return positive even after we were assured that those scans were clear. And senseless acts of violence. In so many ways, watching the pandemic over this past 18 months bring our worlds to a grinding halt. These hurricanes strike without warning, and they leave us wondering God is even listening. What I love most about this story is that it rests in the good news of the gospel, one of the deepest truths that I know in the core of my bones to be true, that God has not left us alone in the boat to weather the storms of life. God is not absent from our world, but God is involved deeply in our world and cares deeply for our world. The truth is, friends, when TJ's heart stopped beating on that day, God's heart was the first to break, and God's tears were the first to fall. Paul says it this way in his letter to the Romans. Paul says that when we are in the depths of those hurricanes of despair, that the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. Isn't that the truth sometimes? And the only prayers that we can form come as great, ugly, snotty sobs from our eyes and our face. Yet, Paul says it is in these very moments that the very same Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep, for words. It's in these moments God's presence manifests itself, shows up for us in sometimes subtle yet always present ways. The open and loving arms of a father and prayers whispered just barely audible at a bedside. The constant friend who has sat in that waiting room for four days and is not leaving until you do. Who then is this? Is it any wonder that the disciples are left in such wonder and awe and fear? They have survived, come out with their lives through this traumatic hurricane experience where they thought that they were at their end. They have screamed at their sleeping Messiah, mistaking his quiet, peaceful, persistent presence for an apathetic lack of care and concern. And yet they, 
as we. Born witness to this greatest truth of the gospel. I said it earlier. We are not alone. We live in God's world. And even in the midst of the greatest storms and hurricanes that might hit us in life, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.